regularly scheduled episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast with some huge breaking news. Huge. Huge. I, Kyle and I recorded an episode yesterday, but then this afternoon, the bomb got dropped. <laughs> I, this is this is huge. This is massive. Yeah. This is... I've been saying to to a couple of people, this is as big. Like they, they they haven't made an announcement this big since they announced the prequels. But I'm gonna say it right here, right now. This is bigger than the prequels. This is way bigger than the prequels. The prequels was a promise of three more movies, mm-hmm. and we were lucky. We got the Clone Wars micro series. We got all sorts of other media content. We've got Star Wars: The Clone Wars on Cartoon Network. But with this, with Disney's acquisition of lucasfilm limited we have a promise of uh, episode seven in 2015 that is if we if we go based on the fact that it's probably we're probably thinking may release right so tentpole summer flick right so may release we're talking about two and a half years away two and a half years to a new star wars movie yeah that and on- one that's based after episode six. Episode seven. Like they're calling it yeah. seven. So I just let's get the technical details out of the way first. Okay. Uh, Disney picked them up for about four billion dollars. Uh, they they can they signed the deal earlier today. You can see videos of that online. Uh, you can see a video of George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy talking about it mm-hmm. on CloneWarsPodcast.com. Uh, and and sort of giving an idea of what's to come for uh, for Star Wars in the in the coming years, and uh, man, here's this is the this is the best perspective that I've gotten on it uh, from a, from a business standpoint so far. And this Kevin Smith just posted this about seven minutes ago on oh, really? his page, and uh, he says lots of folks asking me what I think about the recent announcement that Disney is now the proud owner of the Star Wars universe. Uh, I'm all for it. Can't wait to see all the new movies they're going to make. The seven-year-old Kev who saw Star Wars during its initial release in 1977 is finally going to get all nine Star Wars movies <laughs> back then. I'll be first in line to pay for whatever they do. I And then he goes on to say that essentially the business case is that uh, Disney has the princess market all all cornered, so they've got girls. Anybody that they can sell an Ariel Bell costume to they've already got them but they get the boys they just couldn't lock down the boys and so we saw a couple years ago with their acquisition of marvel that they were going for that and now with star wars they have two of they disney now owns half the boys aisle at (laughs) like that's all you have to do you just look at it it so much sense and then on the other side of it you can you can hear george lucas talk about it he's saying this just this makes so much sense uh they've they've worked with uh disney in the past to bring us stuff like star tours uh and and some of the toys and that sort of thing and uh he wants to pass the torch he wants to retire and so he wants to make sure that that star wars and that lucasfilm are going to be safe and, and he figures the best place to do that is within a corporation that understands what it's all about, what Star Wars is all 
about. And of all of the corporations out there, Disney is the best one for that. And uh, and I 100% agree with this move. I, I think that this is... Uh, and so it's this is the renaissance of Star Wars. I think we've been we've been sort of moving towards this with stuff like the Clone Wars. Uh, and and some people will argue against the prequels, but I think the prequels were a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And this is this is fulfillment of those promises of 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 uh, Star Wars in this generation. Uh, I think the the prequels ushered in a whole new. Uh, a whole new world for for Hollywood uh, as far as special effects and exactly how far the envelope could be pushed, just like the originals did. And now that we're in that world, we're in a post-Avengers world, uh, which which we wouldn't be here without episode one, two, and three. Uh, now that we're in that world, it only makes sense. Let's just make more Star Wars movies, right? So what what do you think about it? I've been talking a lot. How do you feel, Matt? Oh, man, it's – I tell you what. I mean, I got the news from a text, and before I even saw the internet – and I thought it was a joke. I said – you know, I texted him back like, yeah, this is a bunch of bull crap, whatever. You know, you're trying to get my goat. And then, uh, you know, I said, I'm going to jump on Twitter and just see what's going on. And then, you know, of course – it's trending. Everything's trending. Disney, Star Wars, it's going crazy. And I, my mind just went, I, I can't believe this. I remember the day I found out that there was prequels coming out, right? I still remember the day I found out. I remember walking into a, um, a Tower Records store, which we have here in the States, and, and looking at a, at a Star Wars Insider magazine. And there was, you know, you and McGregor on the cover. I'll never forget that day. Um, and I would never forget this day, finding out we're going to get three more, seven, eight, nine, from what Lucas says. Story treatments are already worked on. This uh, from Pablo Hidalgo. This thing has been in production, not in production, but they've already started this back in June. So don't worry about this thing not making its time. It, it'll be there. They've already started working on this, and it sounds like Mike that we're going to get a continuation of what happened after Episode yeah. Six. I mean, I, that's what I've gotten from the feeling from hearing Lucasfilm in those uh, those interviews, Mike, uh, that we're going to see maybe. Luke and Leia and all them again. I don't, you know, that's kind of what, I don't know. I don't know. I can see Luke. I can see Luke. I can see Hamill coming back. He's only in his, what, early 60s, maybe? Well, you know, we we talked about this at Star Wars Celebration with with Steve and Carl and Jason and Kyle. Mm -hmm. The jokes that Steve was making the whole weekend, he was trying to get us all to believe that George was going to come out at the closing ceremonies. He's just going to walk out, say, just just pick up the mic, say seven, eight, nine, drop the mic and walk away. Right. And we didn't get it. We didn't get it at Star Wars Celebration. But what? And and Steve was completely joking. It was it, like he was just coming at it from like a wouldn't that be hilarious? And he just wanted to get us all psyched up because he just it just became a game of like how 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 much. Can these guys to hope for that how much can i get them to believe it but what none of us knew was that behind the scenes that weekend they were working on it it was like you said back in june they they started essentially Mm pre-production star wars episode seven and so like we're there it's happening (laughs) this this isn't this isn't even like uh, uh, the special editions or or the prequels where it was like, yeah, we're thinking about it. This is 
it's happening already, right? Like it's this comes out of nowhere. I think when the special editions were were coming out, people had this this inkling that more Star Wars was on the way. And uh, and we started seeing stuff and then we got that uh like you said in, in the Star Wars Insider, uh we got some sneak peeks and stuff. And uh, I can remember the first thing that I ever got, I'm pretty sure was with uh was with the special edition VHS maybe. Uh, and it was uh, it was a, like a tops trading card of uh, of Coruscant, and, uh, and, and like we, when we saw Coruscant to the end of Return of the Jedi, that was kind of that first hit of like something's coming, something big is coming, and then we got the prequels. And, but with this, nothing, no hints, absolutely nothing the closest stuff we got was some really weird comments from dave filoni and george and seth green and 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 james arnold taylor a couple other people at star wars celebration that something was going on right right uh, the the thing that dave said was you know george when george says something's gonna happen he it's gonna happen he, he's, he doesn't break promises if he's promised that something's coming it's coming we just don't know when you just never know when or where or how it's going to come. And I, I honestly 110% believe that what he was saying to us as fans was seven's coming. You guys seven, eight. <laughs> Boy, I wish I could tell you I can't, but it's on the way. Hold tight. And, uh, and, and now here we are October 30th, 2012. And I, uh, the world has changed. I think like th- this is, there's been the 30 years previous to this, uh, that we've had, you know, the star Wars movies, uh, under the Lucasfilm banner, uh, as, as a complete original trilogy and, and, uh, and then the, the prequels and everything to follow. Uh, and that's going to be one era. And this is, this is the, the this is, that's all BBY, and this is uh, this is ABY. This is all after the Battle of Yavin. This is this is going to be the turning point, I think. Oh yeah, a fandom and and for this community, this is like I said, this is probably the biggest news about Star Wars ever. Because everything else, I think we could see coming. Everything else, I think we were like, yeah, cool, that it's about time. But with this, it's like. Where did that come from? It came out of nowhere, and here we go. Yeah, you know, I remember talking, you know, I've been asking this question for ever since Kathleen Kennedy was aboard. You know, I just I just couldn't see why they brought her aboard because there was nothing really big going on. And like you said, Mike, I think this was supposed to be announced at C6. It's pretty clear now. Uh, for some reason, they, they just couldn't get it done in time. I don't know. I guarantee it was money. Uh, that's what it always comes down to, right? They were trying to sell on a figure, and uh, I mean, four billion dollars, four billion. Any of us can even fathom that number and how they arrived at it's four point billion dollars. But uh, four billion dollars—that's a really—and Disney wasn't going to make that decision without knowing exactly themselves into so i uh, now i'm curious where does that who does four billion dollars go to because lucas is as far as i know he's the 100 percent shareholder right like that right. 
it's not publicly traded. Nobody else has it. Uh, maybe, maybe his ex-wife has has a piece of it, and she's going to get a nice chunk of change. But uh, I, oh. I don't like it, it. Does that mean that George Lucas just made four billion dollars? Like, is that what we're talking about? Because previous to this, he was he owned Lucasfilm, right? Uh, it, it's a, I, I don't I, I don't know necessarily how all that works, and we'll have to look into that. And we'll talk about it more uh, on, our, on our next episode. I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll get and we'll figure all that stuff out but i man yeah i know he gets everything man he gets you know or not he disney gets everything mike i mean they get ilm they get movies tv games uh and that's kind of what shocked me a little bit mike was that he sold it like he just here you go i mean here's lucas i thought you know he would sell some things but he would he would keep Star Wars and just hand it off to somebody like you make it and I'll make sure it's good and then we'll go from there but he just basically saying boom I'm done here you go and I think you made a good point Mike is that instead of something happening to this after he leaves after he's gone you know put it in the hands of Disney great company they'll take care of it I don't have to worry about it I think you said it right right there yeah yeah I I mean this could this shake up a lot of stuff uh and and we'll have to keep our eyes peeled in in the coming months at exactly where everything's land but i uh, you know i mean who knows what this is going to mean for clone wars i doesn't mean we're really not going to stop that but i they'll write they'll write out their their contract with with cartoon network and then they'll move it over to disney xd i Canada is bounced around networks constantly, and, and and so to me that the idea that it networks isn't a big deal. Uh, but I I do feel like that's what's going to happen. I think that that sooner or later we're going to see it over there. I think Star Wars Detours is going to find a home either on Disney XD or ABC. Uh, I think that anything else that comes out of stuff, I think, uh, man, now you now you see why they moved uh, they moved the gathering. Up and that's what we Kyle and I talk about it at the end of the uh, at the end of this episode. Uh, next episode description and everything, but uh, let's just Matt and I can just talk about it right now that they've uh, they've reordered the episodes again and uh, and this this few with uh, with the Padawans is uh, is is being moved up to this coming week. So I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we can see why now. I think uh, why they've moved that up. I think it's because they're, you know, now now they're with Disney. Uh, well, not necessarily now they're with Disney, but they're moving towards being with Disney. And here's something that's a little bit more along those lines. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize after we recorded the last, not the last episode, Mike. That oh, I was we were talking about the gathering, and I I didn't see it on the list, and then. I think it was the next day or something. I look and I'm like, oh, great. It's the next group of episodes coming out is this gathering, uh, starting with a gathering. But, um, yeah, you know what's crazy about this, Mike, is just that the fact that we got another, you know, nine plus plus years of going through three more movies again. And they're going to do more. They're talking about doing a movie every two to three years. 
Yeah, yeah, ongoing, ongoing, and and that's not to mention animated series and uh, and video games and all the other stuff that's going to happen. Uh, all this great stuff. It, it also it also means really great things for for Disney because now Marvel is under the umbrella of Industrial Light and Magic and Skywalker Sound uh, as being the same company essentially. So uh, although all their stuff is running through them anyways, so that's that's right there. Uh, and, uh, and now all of their video games can just run through LucasArts, you know? Uh, LucasArts can can become a, a video game giant. Like, they could take on EA with this, because uh, everything Disney can run through that now and uh and there's no uh there's no question about it right it's just let's let's do this let's do that so right. uh, anyways we could talk about it all night yeah uh, we yeah got, got other things to do i have uh, i have another podcast to record with somebody so we'll uh i'll give you guys all the the uh, the heads up on that when that drops so keep your eyes on on clonewarspodcast.com as well as uh facebook.com slash clone wars podcast uh, and twitter.com slash clone wars and uh, and we will keep you guys up to date on everything also keep your eyes on the feed because there could be something new coming uh I, there, there's these other guys that do stuff for front and lines and uh and they're ready and raring to talk about this and they might want to uh to to get in your earbuds and uh and talk to you a little bit about episode seven so keep your eyes on the itunes feed and on clonewarspodcast.com because we've got tons of stuff coming for you guys in the future. Uh, I'll just close with this. The, these, uh, the immortal words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. <laughs> hey, I'll have to say real quick, Mike, before we go, again, fantastic news. I'm super excited. I can't wait, like I said, for another, for many, many years of just, you know, all that constant information that we're going to get from now until the movie releases with, you know, titles and actors and story ideas and pictures. I mean, talk about, this is just the beginning right here, guys. Uh, beginning, like you said, to a big, larger world. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of this episode where we talk about uh, tipping points and uh, that's what it's called, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and the end of the Onderon arc. Uh, so, uh we will catch you guys next week. I enjoy the rest of the episode. We'll see you later. See you next week. Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle 
the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Welcome to the 106th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. For the episode Tipping Points, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me this week, uh, Matt couldn't be here, so we've got Kyle. Hey guys, how's it going? I am back filling in for Matt, like you said, so uh, yep. yeah, cool to be back on the show. I haven't uh, talked with you guys this season yet about some of these new episodes and stuff, so... Yeah, yeah. Fun. Well, it, it'll be fun to uh, to talk about uh, this. Actually, this very surprising end to uh, to the four part arc uh, from Onderon. So I uh, let's uh, we got a lot to cover. So let's let's get into it. All right, cool. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple of things in the news first. Uh, we have, uh, there's a petition to uh, bring on the barge, is what it's called. The Bring on the Barge fan site petition. Uh, bring on the Barge has partnered with other fan sites uh, to solicit support for a three and three quarter inch scale Jabba's Sail Barge vehicle playset. Hasbro has shown interest in building such a vehicle, but uh, this is all from their site, I'm assuming. Uh, Matt put this in here. But we need to let them know we want it by gathering as many signatures as possible and presenting them to Star War to the Star Wars brand team at Toy Fair. Head on over to JediTempleArchives.com to show your support by signing the petition. Uh, so that is that that's that's a really cool initiative that I uh, that some some fans have taken on themselves. Uh, I guess thinking about it, we haven't ever had a Jabba sail barge uh, since the Hasbro stuff, have we? Yeah, not that I can remember. Um, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I'd be, uh, I'd be curious to know if there was even one for the older stuff. Was there? Not that I know of. Um, and it, you know, it seems like one of those things that I don't know that I would necessarily buy that for myself, but yeah. it still kind of seems surprising that you know of all the Star Wars vehicles and play sets and toys and stuff that they've had over the years that, um, I mean, like you said, like you said, when I saw this, I kind of thought back and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess they haven't made one. And that's kind of surprising just yeah. considering, you know, that they've made ships from shadows of the empire and EU stuff. So <laughs> yeah, well now we've got stuff coming out that, uh, well, Lego sets at least that, that are, uh, uh, the old Republic. And it's like, there's some stuff that we still haven't covered in, the, the classics yeah. so let's uh let's get that stuff done first you know before we start making old republic stuff but i guess the old republic fans want to see that stuff so yeah i do have the java sail barge lego set um so. Yeah. yeah so i so this petition's going on and uh and they want to uh to to present it at toy fair so that only gives them a couple months uh, that's probably February, I would think, uh, for Toy Fair. 
Um, so, so yeah, if that's something that interests you guys, you guys, the listeners, head to uh, JediTempleArchives.com and, uh, and sign that petition. Uh, I, I would love to see that exist. I'm, I'm with you. I, I probably wouldn't buy it because I don't really, I don't buy play sets. I don't really buy, I don't really buy three and three quarter figures. The only one I'm still looking for, we, we looked at, at Celebration 6 and we could not find it, the lot of us. Uh, is the the uh, the older Ahsoka? Um, oh that, yeah, yeah. I that is a hard movie, figure. But... Yeah, that's a difficult figure to find. But you know what? I've switched over from Star Wars to uh, now. I'm collecting the um, the new Ninja Turtles figures. So I have all four of the original tur- of like of the of the turtles themselves, and uh, and they have a, a metalhead who is just re- in the most recent episode of Ninja Turtles. Huh. So I'm I'm looking forward to picking that up. That's the extent of my collecting these days. Yeah, but, uh, and I, I still pick up the occasional three and three quarter inch figures, but I've never really been into, yeah. uh, you know, the big vehicles and stuff for them. Mostly just because I don't have a whole lot of room for them, and yeah, you know, don't do a whole lot of stuff with them. I just kind of display them on my shelf to look cool and all that. But I did recently yeah. get, uh, besides getting the Phase Two Captain Rex that I picked up at C Six. Um, I got back, and they came out with that battle pack that has Darth Maul and Savage and Mother Talzin in it. So I nice. picked that up. That's pretty cool. Or at least cool. the Darth Maul and Savage figures are pretty cool. Mother Talon <laughs> kind of did a half job on. Yeah. Because it's it's actually not really Mother Talzin, but it looks too much like her to be anybody else, but it doesn't look yeah. enough like her to actually be her. And they just yeah. they just call it Night Sister, but you can tell who it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Huh. But anyways. Weird. So that's, okay, that was uh, the last collecting thing I picked up. Cool. Well, that that's there, uh, and then we've also got a little bit of news uh, for Angry Birds Star Wars, which comes out uh, pretty much next week. Yep. As uh, most people will be listening to this, it comes out on the seventh, November seventh. So I uh, and that they've uh, Rovio has just released some footage today, showing our first glimpses of gameplay in the upcoming Angry Birds Star Wars. The clip shows uh, the Luke Skywalker bird using his lightsaber mid-flight to slice through some objects and the uh, and the leia using some sort of like it's like a love stare she kind of these pink beams come out and whatever it's directed at has hearts all around it and then it gets like attracted towards her okay even though it's all pink and sparkly i think just knowing that it's star wars when i saw that i was assuming it was a tractor beam i don't know maybe it's a love stare Yeah. yeah, I, I just I saw. I just saw the. That's weird, but okay. I just saw the uh, the hearts and stuff, and it, it it's like it's a she's attracting it to her, which I think is kind of an odd. But but how do you give Princess Leia a superpower, right? right. Like that doesn't really make she's what's she gonna do? Debate it in the Senate, you know? <laughs> like. Um. Kid, but yeah, kiss it for luck, and it turns out to be your brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so something else that was so, kind of cool in that clip too. I don't know if you noticed, but the uh Leia went flying towards like this stack of blocks that was shaped like an ATAT and it was like shooting lasers yeah. and then she pulled its leg out and it fell over and one of the lasers hit yeah. like the glass blocks or whatever and was like bouncing off. So Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm it actually that, you know, that might introduce some sort of new gameplay element with like reflecting lasers. Yeah, the the uh when they announced it, I didn't really care, but then seeing this gameplay, it actually makes it look like it's going to be a little bit interesting. Like they're switching some stuff up. So, yeah. so funny, I'm looking I, forward I to was that. sort of the opposite. When I first heard about it, I was like, "Oh, cool! You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be this whole new Star Wars thing." And then I see the gameplay, and I was like, 
it's still Angry Birds, but it's got a Star Wars yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to it. So, but I'm definitely going to try it out. It looks kind of fun. Cool. Well, we will keep you guys up to date on Angry Birds Star Wars when that comes out in about a week. Uh, but for now, we have an excellent episode of, uh, of the Clone Wars to talk about. So let's get into that. All right. Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. We are brothers. The true lords of the Okay, so here is the recap for Tipping Points. Uh, in Malgan Market, a hooded Ahsoka Tano surreptitiously drops a satchel containing a holographic projector into the thick of the crowd, crowded town square. An enormous image of King Dendup emerges to address the gathered crowd, assuring them of the intentions of the rebels. Oh, sorry, assuring them of the attentions of the rebels. With all attention focused on the hologram, Ahsoka disappears onto a nearby rooftop where Lux awaits on Rooping back. Roopings are the, the flying pterodactyl things. Uh, Lux and Ahsoka fly away as the crowd turns against the battle droid patrols. So we're back into the thick of it, and uh, and, and now King Dendup is on the side of the rebels and uh, and showing support. So the people much more inclined to, to sort of overthrow the Separatists now that King Dendup is picking a side, yeah. essentially. And uh, we get to see a you know town villager person smash a giant fruit over a battle droid's head, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... All right, so the Rooping soars to the new rebel outpost in the highlands of Onderon. Lux reports that people are rioting in Isis. Stila is concerned that the upcoming battle between the rebels and the Separatists cannot occur in the heart of the city, lest there be innocents caught in the crossfire. Saw counters that their enemy is in the center of Isis, and that's where they need to fight. Uh, King Dendip and Ahsoka agree with Stila's perspective. The war must be fought in the Highlands. Dendip appoints Stila as the commanding general in the conflict. Stila is honored and immediately gets down to business. Lux doesn't even get a chance to congratulate her. But upon seeing his reaction, Stila allows herself to drop her guard briefly and give Lux, gives Lux a deep kiss, just in case, she remarks, which was one of uh, one of two really great uh, nods to the original trilogy, because uh, this is similar to uh, For Luck, but uh, as you noted before, not, not, with, uh, not with her brother, <laughs> yeah. which would be awkward. Uh, but, but you know what I found really odd? Uh, oh, it's actually it's this, this next part, so I'll just read this. Ahsoka watches this exchange and doesn't quite know how to react. 
As Lux mounts a rooping alongside her, she delivers a playful punch in the shoulder to show her support. So I, I thought that her reaction was excellent. I it shows a lot of maturity and growth in the character. I think that a couple seasons ago she would have gotten upset by this, mm-hmm. but in in this season with her at the place that she's at, instead she uh, she just kind of takes it in stride and and she she tries to be happy for him. Right, uh, you, you can kind of tell yeah. that she's like, well, you know, it's like uh, she, she was confused about her feelings, anyways. So I think more than anything, this allowed her to step away from it and say, my my hat's out of the ring now, you know. Yeah, well, uh, and I don't think it's even necessarily you know growth from like previous seasons till now. I mean, I've kind of seen her develop a lot just over this story, this story arc. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of in that particular area, because at first, you know, from the preview seeing Lux and Ahsoka together, I assumed that their relationship was going to develop a lot more in this story arc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it seems like instead, what they were kind of trying to do was, um, I don't know, maybe diffuse some of the romantic tension between the two of them that they had built up, like in the Mandalore episode last season and stuff like that. Um, but because it seemed like there was really this focus in this episode and kind of throughout the whole arc where you know, Anakin is telling Ahsoka to sort of let go of her feelings and put her duty first, um, which obviously Anakin isn't the best at doing, but, you know, like early, like in the first episode of this arc, we see, you know, uh, yeah, Lux and Steela just kind of giving each other looks and Ahsoka's all jealous about it. And Anakin's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, are you okay? Are you, you know, letting your feelings get in the way? And then by the time we get to the end of this, uh, story arc, you know, she sees them kiss and she's okay with it. So, um, I think that was probably, for me anyways, was sort of the biggest development for Ahsoka throughout this arc was, um, you know, instead of developing that relationship between her and Lux, it was um, sort of teaching her to let go, I guess. Kind of like Yoda tries to teach Anakin in episode three, but Ahsoka seems to be better at it. Yeah, much better. Uh, I actually read an interview over on IGN.com uh, and uh, uh, with, uh, with sorry, with Ahsoka, with Ashley Eckstein and Matt Lanter yeah, I think earlier I today. And uh, and and one of the things that that Ashley Eckstein said in that interview was that Anakin or that Ahsoka has a lot of Anakin's. Uh, no, actually, I think Matt Lanter was saying it that that Ahsoka has a lot of Anakin's good qualities without the negativity. Yeah. Without without all of the baggage, maybe that that Anakin carries around with about his mom and all that sort of thing. So I yeah I th- I think that's what we're seeing here is we're seeing a character who. I I guess she she doesn't have to worry about attachment as much because she grew up in the Jedi Temple, right? right. She's never had anything of her own. She's always been a Jedi. So it's much easier for her to say, you know, like I have these feelings, but I have to let them go. So uh for Anakin that's very difficult because the last time he let go of his feelings, it he feels that it got his mother killed, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it's really it's a really interesting direction to see the character go in, and I think that it, uh, the, that comment by either Ashley Eckstein or Matt Lanter, whoever said it, really informs that a lot, uh, and and sort of shows that's the direction that the character is going to move in because they know they already know what it's going to be like in a in you know in a couple seasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, and one so thing, they, we, I might have pointed it up, this out the last time I was on the show, yeah. like right after C6, but they know what's going to happen to Ahsoka now. 
Yeah. Um, you know, they obviously haven't told us yet, but in previous years, it's been like, oh, we're still thinking about possibilities, and I talked to George about it, and blah, 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 and it's something we're taking seriously. But I'm pretty sure at this point, they either they've already written that episode, or they, you know, at least have a solid idea of where Ahsoka's going to end up. Yeah, it yeah, it sounds like that to me. I I mean, I don't know if if we've sort of got a final situation for Ahsoka or not, but I do think that that I some major stuff's going to happen to her this season. Oh yeah, that's for, for sure. sure. So okay, let's uh, let's continue. All right, cool. Uh, back in Isis, columns of black smoke rise from the buildings as rioting and unrest continue in the streets. From high above in the royal residence, King Rash watches this uprising. He worries about splitting his forces to police the streets and also strike the rebels in the, in the eastern highlands, but General Kalani is confident that separatist reinforcements, which include deadly droid gunships, will get the job done. So we just see these new, uh, the new gunships for the first time. They're not really that new because we've seen them in episode three. Yeah. But, uh, but for the first time in, in the Clone Wars. And, uh, and they talk to him. Yeah. Which, uh, which was odd. I like they 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 acknowledge his command and and I realize that they're droids like the gunships themselves are droids much like vulture droid fighters are droids right it's just always really weird because the scale is so off right because they're so much bigger yeah but uh but you know I uh, yeah, they're very cool looking and very cool in the substance uh the battle of the Onderon Highlands begins royal guards and insurgents dig in to repel the droid infantry Saw leads a pack of Rooping Riders offering air support. Tandon leads a cavalry charge of Dalgo riding soldiers, while the heavy firepower comes from gunners riding on the backs of Fambas. Stila watches from the highest spire, sniping at strategic battle droid positions. The arrival of droid gunships breaks the rebel lines. Swarms of separatist, swarms of separatist rockets shred through the Rooping Riders and pound the heavy weapons emplacements. The rebels are not prepared for this firepower. Blaster shots ring off the shields projected by the gunships. Uh, one thing I just want to say before we get too far into this is that 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 sort of establishing shot, the the sweeping establishing shot of the battlefield at the beginning of this sequence. This is one of the most beautiful episodes of this series ever. I uh, it just the the color palette, the the the. Uh, the framing of the shots, all of the the composition, I uh, everything works so well together in this, and uh, and there's so much going on in the frame, which is uh, it's not entirely new for the Clone Wars, but I think uh, for a battle on this scale, we haven't seen something like this really since I uh, since the movie, which is a funny thing to say. Uh, yeah, the, the movie, the Battle of Christophsis really set a tone uh, and that was on a much more cinematic scale than anything else I think we've ever gotten from the series. Oh yeah, no, I, I feel the same way too. That that's definitely one of the still one of the best and biggest battles we've yeah. had in yeah. the whole series. Um we've definitely had some really cool fights. We've definitely had some really cool action sequences, but I think because we tend to stick with the Jedi, we or or with specific clone troopers, we get much more intimate battle sequences yeah whereas this one we've got this one this really felt like star wars because we had these three groups we had uh tandon on the dalgos down uh, on the ground uh we had uh ahsoka lux and stila 
up uh, sniping and dealing with sort of like calling out everything and 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 uh, generaling the battle, marshaling the battle, I guess. Uh, and then you've got saw on on the the uh, the rupal, uh, or rooping, sorry, I uh, flying around doing his thing, and uh, and each of them was matched sort of with other forces. And, and it had that very, like, Return of the Jedi, let's go from here to here to here feeling, mm-hmm. which I feel like we kind of, we lose a lot of the time in, in Clone Wars, because what they'll do is they'll take one of those ideas and they'll break that into an episode, right? Like, yeah. if you go back to the, to the, um, uh, uh, oh, man, shiny, glowy world from last season Umbara. that I hated. Umbara, yeah, the Umbara arc. You've got the whole attack on on the uh, the control ship or whatever, or they 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 went up to take out the the ship in space, and they broke that into its own episode. Mm-hmm. And it was like they did cool stuff in that episode, and it definitely deserved the focus that it got. But I would like it better if it cut between that and what was going on on the ground, and you could sort of have more than one thing going on at once, because that really feels like Star Wars to me. It's like I said at the end of last season, if they had taken those four episodes that they broke into the two-parter and then the two-parter, and they had cut those those four episodes together into a film that, that was sort of bouncing around from place to place following all of these characters and having them all tie up together at the end, I... I, f- I feel like that would have been much more entertaining than breaking each character's adventure off into a separate 22 minutes, which is what they tend to do in the Clone Wars right now. So this was one of the first episodes in a while that I think captured that. And that was one of the reasons why the battle just, it just rung true as a real battle to me. It didn't seem like it was a whole bunch of cannon fodder and then three characters that we cared about, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I will kind say, of, I, guess, about the whole thing. I mean, I definitely agree with, you know, the scale of it being good and everything, um, and, you know, feeling like a real battle. I guess I just wish we had seen a little more build-up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, this was sort of, it, it kind of reminded me of the, um, I guess I could compare it to the battle in episode one with the Gungans and the, uh, you know, the battle droids out on the plains of Naboo, where they talk yeah. about, you know, trying to draw the droids away from the city and meet up outside and everything like that. But with this one, we just didn't get that much, um, I guess, that much explanation of what they were trying to do and that much lead-up of, like, seeing the two armies come together. And it's kind of the, I guess, the way they break it up on TV, too, because I think it ended right before a commercial break with the part with, um, you know, the droid gunships going off to, you know, find the Rebels, and then it comes back from the commercial and the battle's starting. Um, yeah. But I guess that felt maybe a little bit rushed to me, and it's like, um, obviously we know who's fighting, we know why they're fighting, but we don't quite know how they got there, and I don't know. It left me feeling a little bit, um, like they could have filled it in a little bit more, but I know, you know, they only have 22 minutes to work with with these episodes, so. Yeah, I think that's more more than anything what's going on there, is that they've just got, they have this time limit to right, work within, so. Right. Although, I, I will say, when we get to this later, there was another part I thought they maybe could have cut out to extend the battle a little bit longer, but. We'll get there. Okay, we'll get um, there. <laughs> let's see. Did you read the last part, or did I? Uh, you can go ahead. I think go I ahead. Did. I go. You can go ahead. Okay. Uh, Steela, Lux, and Ahsoka retreat from the merciless barrage atop their roopings. Saw attempts to bomb a gunship, but to no effect. His rooping is shot down, and he crashes to the ground and is rescued by General Tandon. 
Ahsoka contacts Anakin and Obi-Wan via Hollow, demanding assistance from the Jedi Council against this new weapon. But Obi-Wan refuses to send help. The war on Onderon is strictly an internal affair. On Coruscant, Anakin disagrees strongly with Obi-Wan's stance. Anakin proposes a workaround. What if what if it was another unallied party that offered assistance to the rebels? So I this was a bit of an odd odd scene because on the one hand, Obi-Wan's like, we can't do anything about it. We can't get involved. We're already way too involved. So we need to, we need to back off more than help out. And then the council's not going to do anything. So I, like, he, he's, he's trying to, to, to play that. And then Anakin is just so upset about it because obviously Ahsoka's in danger and these people need help. And he just wants to be a hero like always. And, uh, and, and so they decide to to uh, to get Hondo to help them out, and Obi Wan kind of he kind of turns around on it, which it just it didn't seem like it was much of a um, much of an argument, even though Obi Wan seemed so against it to begin with, mm-hmm. which which I just thought it, it was a little bit odd. Like I think that Obi Wan could have maybe. Uh, wanted to help a little bit more yeah uh, but it, it seems like he doesn't even care like he's like you know it's an internal affair it's up to them and it's like but Onderon's a very major player and and if they had Onderon's forces if they had like Onderon has its own military right so yeah uh, a lot of other planets don't and can't offer anything can't defend themselves so they require a whole bunch of republic assistance if the Republic would help them get rid of the Separatists in the first place and reunify, then Onderon could defend itself, and obviously, that's what that's what the kind of the the planet wants. But it just it it seemed really odd for Obi Wan to just flat out be like no, and then Obi Wan and then Anakin's like, well, what if we got somebody else to to you know provide the 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 equipment? So it, it's it's weird because it's. It's not a matter of the cost of the equipment. It's not a matter of any of that stuff. It's just a matter because they end up. I'm sure they ended up paying Hondo much more than it would have cost to just take out of their supplies, right? Oh, so yeah. it's 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 just a little bit odd. But it gets us Hondo for part of an episode, so it's okay. Yeah, no, I agree though that uh, I mean I guess Obi Wan's turnaround on that and that whole exchange didn't really seem strange to me. But just sort of throughout this whole story arc, Obi Wan has seemed a little bit uncharacteristically detached for me i guess Um, yeah because i've always thought of him as somewhere between anakin who's you know really emotionally attached like to the point where he shouldn't be and somebody like mace windu who seems really kind of cold and stern and um i mean just some of the scenes where you know soka's like we need help or even in the first episode when there's like a battle droid army coming into the camp and anakin you know turns his lightsaber on is about to go jump into the battle and obi-wan's like no we have to let them handle this and i'm like Okay, I understand that you're trying to, you know, train these rebels and teach them to fight for themselves, but at the same time, you know, you're Jedi, you're supposed to be defending the peace, and, um, you know, even though we kind of know all along in this episode that, you know, the rebels on Onderon are going to end up winning and taking back their planet eventually, but I'm like, if they hadn't mm-hmm. won, Obi-Wan probably just would have been like, oh, well, they learned their lesson, we weren't supposed to get involved, um, so I guess I would have maybe liked to see him be a little more involved in the whole thing and a little bit more eager to help, but, um, I don't know, maybe that's just me. 
Yeah, it 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 just it seemed a little bit weird for Obi Wan to be taking that stance. I understand yeah. it, and it's not inconsistent with his character and other stuff. Maybe just in the Clone Wars, and maybe that maybe that's one of the things that they're trying to do is get him a little bit closer to his character from the the novels and stuff like that. Because in uh, in the Cestus Deception, Kit Fisto, it, like which is essentially the, a very similar storyline to this. I except that Obi Wan is trying to do the diplomatic thing, the negotiator thing, mm-hmm. while uh, Kit Fisto is training their militia. Up. Um, but very similar in in concept to what's going on in this. I Obi Wan doesn't want them to really. He just wants to avoid conflict altogether. Um, and Kit Fisto is is trying to to like he would rather have you know, the Republic just reinforced and that sort of thing. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's consistent with that character. It's not as consistent with what we've seen in, in the Clone Wars where he's good to just get involved no matter where they are. Right. So, and I, I think the other thing too, is, I mean, at the beginning of the story arc, the council tells them, you know, that they're there to, you know, to train the rebels and to help them learn to fight for themselves. And even in episode two, Mace Windu says, you know, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. And Obi-Wan, I mean, yeah. we've seen him be very sort of, um, I guess, true to his Jedi ideals and his orders and things like that before. So on that hand, it kind of did make sense, but I just think we've don't seen, we haven't seen it before in a situation where that entailed, like, mm-hmm. not wanting to help people. So I guess maybe that just, you know, it's, it's like his motivations behind it, I'm sure were the same as the Obi-Wan we've known the whole time. We've, it just seemed a little bit odd in a situation like this, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit. It, it just it, it just didn't ring true in this specific instance, I think. Yeah. So. But, uh, okay, let's continue. Uh, Anakin pilots his Jedi starfighter to Florum, where he contacts pirate chief Hondo Onaka. Hondo is eager to talk business, and he is intrigued when Anakin asks him to deliver a cargo of missiles illegally. Yeah, now this is the scene I was kind of referring to earlier, because as much mm-hmm. as I love Hondo, and it's always great to see more of him, and it was funny to see Anakin get out of his starfighter and have a pirate point a slingshot at him, um, yeah. this just didn't feel like a necessary scene to me, because when you have Obi-Wan and Anakin in the Jedi Temple, and they just, you know, they're like, well, who would be, you know, out there with a batch of missiles in the galaxy that could help us, and they're like, oh, Hondo. If, you know, later in the episode you see Hondo just show up on Onderon saying that the Jedi have paid for these, it would make perfect sense. Like, you're not like, oh, wait a minute, we yeah, didn't see that exchange take fair. place so it doesn't make sense or, you know, it's confusing or anything. I think we're perfectly capable of filling that gap in. Um, so it's not like I necessarily had anything against the scene because, again, I like seeing Hondo. And I kind of like the exchange between him and Anakin, too. Because you kind of get to see the side of Anakin that's not necessarily dark side, but the um, definitely sort of the unorthodox, you know, doesn't follow all the rules of the other Jedi. Because um, we've seen mm-hmm. Obi-Wan deal with Hondo before, too. But Anakin seems like one of the few Jedi who would actually go and try to make a deal. And he's like, yeah, this is illegal, but don't worry about that. We'll pay you for it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like to see a little bit th- a little bit of that side of Anakin's character too. But I also feel like if they had cut this out and maybe added a little bit more to the battle and the rest of the story on Onderon, I think that might have been a better use of time. Just because I feel like this was something that we can just kind of assume happened without necessarily needing to see it. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, yeah, it, we could have skipped over this, but it's more Hondo, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead. All right. 
Uh, back at the Nest, the rebel base in the Highlands, the retreating rebels convene to strategize. Stila orders the rebels to stagger their defenses their defenses approaching the camp and remain in small teams to avoid giving the gunships a target-rich battlefield. Lutz again entreaties to Ahsoka for help, but much to her disappointment, she cannot get involved. Stila is nonetheless grateful to the Jedi. Uh, just then, a luxury yacht bearing Hondo Anaka's pirate banner lands outside the base. Anaka's brig brigands deliver crates packed with Sinar shoulder-launched missiles. After briefly flirting with Stila, Hondo promptly leaves the scene as droid weapons fire erupts. A patrol of commando droids attacks, lured by the landing of Hondo's ship. The rebels quickly blast the droids apart and then focus on distributing their new weapons. Commando droids riding atop gunships perforate the rebel defenses at the nest, demanding to know the whereabouts of King Dendup. Volleys of rockets pelt the nest entrance. Inside, Dendup takes cover. Uh, winging back in a rush, Stila lobs a rocket at the gunship, but misses. The droid flyer concentrates its fire on the young general. With the gunship distracted, King Dendup runs for it, but he is pursued on foot by commando droids. Meanwhile, Lux and Ahsoka arrive and enter the fray. Now, this was probably my biggest issue with this episode, and I might kind of wait till a little bit later to talk about why I really had a problem with it, but... When I was first watching this, I was just kind of confused because Dendup and he's got like two guards with him. They're hiding inside this cave and you see droids kind of blast the entrance and they're kind of like trying to shelter themselves from some rocks that are spraying or whatever. But, you know, the droids aren't hitting them. and There's obviously more space in this cave. So I'm like, they're probably OK if they stay in there. And then, um, you know, Stila draws the gunship away and then the guards are like, let's get the king to safety. And they just rush out into the open, into the battlefield. And I'm like... <laughs> what kind of sense does that make? It was kind of like back in season three in the Citadel arc when uh, Echo died, when he tried to like rush that cannon or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like, why was he even doing that in the first place? I kind of felt, yeah, I kind fair. of felt the same way here, but even to a bigger extent, because at least with Echo, he was like trying to shoot something and he had a shield to take cover. And the King is just this old guy in his pajamas, just running out in the middle of the battlefield. And I'm like, why are they doing this? And then I figured it out later. And Kind of ruined the episode for me a little bit, but I'll save that for when we get to that. Okay. Hi. It's, sorry, where are we? Um, uh, okay. Uh, Stila finally shoots down the gunship and runs to secure Dendup's safety. In his scramble, Dendup has run to a cliff edge. Stila blasts the last pursuing commando droid, saving the king. Elsewhere, Saw nails another gunship with a rocket. The droid tumbles out of control straight toward the precipice upon which Stila and Dendup stand. They duck for cover, narrowly avoiding the crashing vehicle. The weakened cliff face collapses. Dendup jumps to safety, but Stila falls. Yeah, and see, at this point, I was thinking, why did they have Dendup run out in the open? Oh, just so they could have him run straight to the edge of this cliff and set up this whole yeah. scenario. Even yeah, I wasn't quite sure why he ran to the edge of a cliff either, you know, but... Yeah, and so but once, you know, the gunship crashed and Stila fell off, then I realized they only did it to set this up. And at that point, I pretty much knew Stila yeah. was going to die because I was like, why else would they set this whole thing up and, you know, have the king just run out there? I don't know. It just It felt like a weak, a weak way to connect the story for me. I was like, they could have done a better job kind of setting that up without putting that piece in there of, you know, something that really didn't make sense. But, uh, 
Anyways, let's see. <laughs> Stila desperately grasps grasps onto the cliff face. She looks on helplessly from below, or Saul looks on helplessly from below at his dangling sister. Lux and Ahsoka crawl towards the shifting cliffside, reaching out to Stila. Ahsoka tries to grip her with the force as Lux stretches out a hand, but the damaged droid gunship, with its last ergs of power, fires its laser cannon. Uh, the blast pierces Ahsoka's shoulder. The Padawan cries in pain as she loses her grip on Stila. Stila falls to her death, her body smashed on the rocks below. Lux, Ahsoka, and Saw stare in wordless anguish at the loss of their beloved friend and leader. Saw mourns his sister's death, blaming himself. Lux assures him she knew the risks involved in freeing Andorod. This It was a... It definitely... I mean, we had, we had a comment... I think on Facebook, or maybe it was the what we talked about last week on the episode. Uh, it might have been the email that we read last week. Uh, somebody mentioning that they wanted to to possibly see the stakes get raised with somebody somebody dying. One of either Saw or Stila, you know, they're all these characters, uh, uh, Tandon and and all these guys uh, that that could all we could all lose, and it won't affect anything really. But right. you know, it'll just be. The stakes raised. I, uh, I never like to see characters die on this show because I think it happens way too often. I think there's a lot of really cool characters that that we don't get to see, uh, and and we don't see them return or anything like that. Uh, I go back to, uh, I guess season one. Uh, who is the who is the traitorous uh, Senate guard? Oh, uh, Argaius. Yeah, Argaius, who was voiced by James Marsters who would have been a great character to develop over three or four seasons, and instead they killed him off in one episode. And there was a lot of that in season one. So anytime somebody says, oh, they should kill so-and-so, I was like, no, they shouldn't kill anybody <laughs> unless it's absolutely necessary for a story. Um, and I think what they've done here is they've put... They've put Lux and Ahsoka in this situation together put them together so they, they could be closer and then force them apart with Stila. And now they've removed Stila so that later on they can bring Lux back and continue that storyline in some fashion if they want to. So I think what they've done is they've kind of just left it open. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the main reasons why Stila dies here. Right. So that does serve the story to a certain degree because uh, they, they definitely have a moment towards the end of the episode where you're not 100% sure... Uh, I mean, Lux is sort of... Uh, we'll talk about it when we get there, but uh, he's not really concerned with Ahsoka, but Ahsoka is fairly concerned with him. So so there's still room for that relationship to grow now that Stila is officially out of the picture. So Yeah, sure. And uh, I mean, what you're saying about the deaths and stuff, yeah, I know in season one they would like introduce a lot of characters that they would kill off at the end of that episode. Um, now that we've kind of... You know, the stories are a lot more um, like in three and four part arcs, um, yeah, I kind of like to see like by the end of those arcs, maybe one or two characters get killed off because then at least we didn't, you know, just know them for one episode. We got to see them over the course of a story arc. And so we get to see them, you know, get to see a little bit more of that character. Um, but like you were saying, I definitely like to see it be at the service of the story. And I guess this does serve a little bit of a purpose for, you know, sort of future stories between Lux and Ahsoka. But, um, you know, you're talking about raising the stakes and the battles and everything. I was definitely, 
um, kind of almost expecting to see either Saw die, you know, in like this big last final assault or to see him die protecting, yeah. you know, Stila or Ahsoka or maybe see General Tandon go down with his forces or something like that. But Stila's death just didn't really feel all that meaningful to me because, I mean, again, like I said, I didn't like the whole way that the, you know, that situation at the edge of the yeah. cliff was set up. I just thought that felt forced and sort of um, sloppy storytelling, I guess. But then also it was sort of like the end of the battle. Like they shoot down the last gunship and you're like, okay, you know, we've pretty much wiped out the George. We've pretty much won, but now like somebody has to die just to show that there was, you know, a cost for it. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, definitely was not one of the most impactful character deaths we've had on the show, but, um, yeah, absolutely. Know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's continue. Uh, uh, at the royal residence, King Rash addresses Count Dooku, calling the Separatist reinforcements a failure. Kalani accurately assesses the tactical situation. To battle the entrenched rebels would take more time. Dooku is not interested in a prolonged war. Onderon simply isn't worth it. He orders Kalani to withdraw his forces to Agamar and wraps up business here. Complying, Kalani coldly shoots King Rash dead. Yeah, now this scene I did like because, um, I mean, I kind of always like to see the bad guys be cruel and heartless, and you're like, ooh, man, these guys are serious, and, you know, when you see Kalani just shoot the king right there, I was kind of wondering, I was like, okay, now that the battle's over and the rebels have pretty much won, how are they going to go mm-hmm. about actually sort of, you know, overthrowing the king and sort of taking power back, and then I'm like, oh, that's out. The Separatists just killed their own guy and kind of left Onderon for the rebels to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Do you want to continue? Yeah. Uh, later at Yolon Square, a mass wake is held uh, that marks the death of Stila, the end of King Rash, and the end of the Separatist occupation. Thousands of Onderonians mark the occasion. Obi-Wan and Anakin attend to pay their respects as well. Ahsoka passes her condolences to Saw and Lux. Lux now sees that the Republic is the best ally for Onderon. King Dendup has appointed him as senatorial representative for Onderon and he will continue his mother's work of bringing the planet back into the Republic. So I, so th- there we go. That's the, this is sort of the final moment. I, and I, and Lux is going to bring Onderon back into the, the fold of the Republic. So I, a major victory for the Republic, even though they really had nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Jedi did have something to do with it, but the Republic really didn't have very much other than, Captain Rex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was a, it was a bit of a like I get what he's saying like the separatists are definitely not who he wants to be allied with but I like I like the stance that some of the other characters have taken in the series and and what we'll I think we'll see more of this season is people saying like look both sides are corrupt. Both sides are wrong. Neither one of them deserves loyalty. Because one one is corrupt and only serves itself, and the other one is is uh, creating conflict just for the sake of conflict in some instances. And so, like, there's there's negative aspects on both sides, I think. Right. And uh, and and I'd like to see a little bit more of that, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that later on this season. Yeah. Well, I also like but, kind of the way Lux puts it here. I mean, it's not like they win the battle and he's like, oh, my eyes have suddenly been opened. The Republic is perfect and the Separatists are evil and I'm going to join the right side. I think it's more of, I mean, kind of where he was before, 
you know, he had his problems with the Republican, his problems with the separatists, and then he gets to the end of this and says, I, th I don't remember exactly what he says, but I think he says something along the lines of, like, you know, the Republic still isn't perfect, but, you know, I've seen that, like, it's worth fighting for, and also that, because Onderon had tried to stay neutral in the war, too, and he was saying, like, at a galaxy, you know, with the whole galaxy at war, you're going to have to pick a side at some point, um, and, yeah, I think the Republic is the better of the two sides to fight for, so... Um, I kind of, yeah. you know, I kind of like that it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't necessarily an easy decision. It wasn't like a huge black and white decision, but it was um, him sort of weighing those two choices and picking the better of the two. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely was. Uh, I, I don't think that it comes out of nowhere. I just think that, that I, I, like it's, they've definitely developed it over the course of his character. Oh, but yeah. it's, and I mean, not just with him either, like what he says is kind of backed up by other stories that we've seen where planets yeah. try to stay neutral and end up getting caught up in the war eventually, like with Mandalore or at the beginning of, or back in season one, the planet with the little lemur people. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of been this continuing theme of like, you know, you can't just sort of sit there and not pick a side and hope that the war doesn't come to you. It's like, yeah, you're going to get involved in it at some point anyways, because the whole galaxy is involved in it. So yeah, Lux is now trying to join up and do something about it for the right side. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, uh, how did you feel about the arc overall, Cal? Because you haven't really talked about the other episodes. Yeah, you know, it was um, and it was pretty good overall. Not my favorite, but I wasn't. I, I won't say I was disappointed with it, but it also didn't necessarily, you know, far exceed my expectations or anything. Um, I'd say probably my favorite part of sort of my favorite aspect of the whole story arc, and probably some of my favorite scenes. Where where we the ones where we see um, you know King Rash and King Dendup and uh, you know some of the stuff going on other than like apart from you know just Ahsoka and the rebels um, like mm -hmm. fighting battle droids because I know you know you were saying earlier that you weren't a big fan of the Umbara arc last season I mean I really like those Umbara episodes but I guess if there's anything I didn't like about that arc it was that um, you know, we really didn't get to know anything about the Umbarans or, you know, why they were enemies of the Republic or why they yeah. joined with the Separatists or anything. And so we got a lot more of that story here in this arc. Um, you know, it's not just like, oh, the droids have invaded Onderon and we're going to fight the battle droids. We actually get to see um, sort of the power struggle between the kings and, you know, the, the king who's allied with the Separatists. And so we see, um, I guess, sort of what the rebels are fighting against sort of that they don't even necessarily see, I guess you could say, because, you know, they're just on the front lines fighting droids, but we sort of know what's behind that power. We, we know what the motivations are behind both sides, not just, yeah. you know, the Republic fighting some faceless evil. So I, yeah. I definitely like that aspect of it. Um, and, you know, there were some cool battle scenes, and like you said, definitely some great visuals. Um, but, you know, story-wise, it was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, but, yeah, not my favorite. So I'm I'm still waiting to see Maul and Death Watch and stuff like that later in this season. But this Oh, yeah, definitely. Cool. I mean, I think that's what we're all waiting for. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that they're going to keep us waiting for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, as we've seen. The they sort of rearrange things lately, yeah. but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I would just say, like, sort of my closing remark about this arc is uh, I feel like it was a really big leap forward um, as far as sort of atmosphere goes, uh, and, and they've managed to do a lot of stuff in the, in the past few years 
with uh, with weather and environment and stuff like that to mm-hmm. to to make the atmosphere feel more Star Wars, and definitely with different aliens and that sort of thing populating different planets. Oh yeah. But I think that the biggest thing that they managed to do with this one is they brought in creatures and and more than one creature. Uh, which in the past I feel like we've gotten like maybe one or maybe two, but in this one we really got we got a lot, right? Yeah. Over the course of the four episodes we got about five different animals. What of course the Fambas already existed, right? We had already seen them. But, yeah, but not uh, in this series, so it was, you know, not necessarily I, a new creature for Star nope. Wars, but in you know, just I think we saw or model something else to add to you know, sort of the environment of Clone Wars. I'm pretty sure we saw Fambas last season uh, in the the Grievous episode. Did we? Uh, oh, you know what? Maybe I think we did in, amongst the the Gungan army. If we uh, did, it must have been in the background because I don't remember. I they weren't. I don't, I don't think that they were. Them. I don't think that they were featured. But I'm pretty sure the reason that they're in this one is because they were just reusing a model. Because there's nothing to say that Fambas come from Onderon. That's that was just them putting Fambas on Onderon because right. they're really they were created for Episode One, right? Yeah. So, I so they they're uh, previous to this they were native to Naboo. So now we know they're native to Naboo as well as Onderon. But uh, um, yeah, so I I'm pretty sure that we saw some last season in that one episode. Uh, I could be wrong, but but I'm pretty sure we did. So yeah, I'm not sure because um, I think I remember looking on StarWars.com at some of the concept art and stuff that they post, like in yep. the episode guides, and I I seem to remember something about a design for a Famba, and they were saying that they designed one for Onderon that was like slightly smaller than the ones on Naboo or something like that. But hmm. I don't know. I mean, like you said, they definitely originated on Naboo in Episode One, but I don't think we've seen them in the series before. But I could be wrong too. I don't know. Cool. Well, I in any case, all the all the creatures and animals definitely added to the to the the environment and sort of that atmosphere of of a living place uh, that that I think Star Wars is really good at, even from the original trilogy uh, with the Dubaks and and Tauntauns and all that sort of thing. Uh, they and and the uh, the Banthas that really makes you believe that it's another place that it's that it's another galaxy that that there's all this different alien life because it's not just a bunch of people in masks. There's also these other elements to it yeah. that make it this, this believable world. Uh, and it's definitely a big part of sort of the star Wars mythos, uh, rancors and, and accolades mm-hmm. and nexus and all that sort of thing. So yeah, no, I, I really, I, I like, like that part about it too. And like, I particularly probably my favorite creatures they used in this episode were the, uh, you know, the flying ones, where you yeah, had saw flying over the battle, yeah. and, you know, chucking thermal detonators down at the battle droids and stuff. And I like how, um, I mean, obviously it was definitely sort of like their nod to Avatar. I mean, even George Lucas told us that at uh, Celebration 6. Yeah. But it wasn't like some of the other episodes, like I think of the one with R2-D2 and C-3PO from last season, where it was obviously like, this is the Star Wars version of Wizard of Oz, you know? Yeah. Um, Whereas here it didn't feel like, oh, this is Avatar with lightsabers. It was like, yeah, you could definitely see the similarities and the influence, but they still sort of kept it within Star Wars and kept it their own story too, so that was nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it definitely it had that stuff, but it was its own It was its own thing. It definitely made for some awesome Star Wars. Uh, and, and like I said before, it had that 
very unique Star Wars feeling to it in the way that they told the story in this episode. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't really know if you guys really have mentioned this in the previous episodes of the podcast, but um, I mean, it's kind of nice to see another throwback to the EU as well. And um, yeah, they had Onderon. It was in Knights of the Old Republic too. It was a planet you could go to, and it was in some of like the Tales of the Jedi comics where. Um, yeah, they have, like, these beast wars where way back before, you know, it was, like, back in the days of, like, the ancient technology and stuff, because it's, like, old, old yeah. Republic, and they were, you know, fighting on these creatures and stuff, so it's kind of nice to uh, bring back that reference and kind of still have them fighting, you know, have the natives fighting on, you know, all these big winged creatures and stuff that live around there, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely nice to finally see it, I, and those who are fans from from the different times that it's been featured... Uh, it, it was nice to to finally get to go there in canon. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, so yeah. Yeah, and keep cool. keep some of those same elements intact too, even like the Onderon militia yeah. and all that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the mailbag and hear from uh, from the listeners. All right. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. You... I simply found it. So we've got an email from uh, Phil from Liverpool, England. He says, hi guys, not sure if you have seen this, but just wanted to send you both an email. I have only recently started listening to your podcast at the time of writing this. I'm only up to episode 54. I'm listening to about four or five a day on two times speed, so hopefully I'll catch up to episode 102 within the next few weeks. Great show. May the force be with you both. Uh, and he says, take care from Phil from Liverpool, England. So uh, that is, that's crazy that, that Phil is listening to all of the episodes. And he's like, I... If you go on Twitter, he's actually, he's at replied me and Matt both. So, like, whenever I look at, at Twitter at my at replies, I see just, like, this slew of them. Because he'll, he'll let us know when he's listening to each episode. So, it's just this stack of at replies. <laughs> I, I, and, I, yeah, he's been, he's been listening to, to all of them for, for a little while now. And I, uh, I'm glad that, he, I'm glad you're enjoying the show, Phil. And, uh, and definitely keep listening, and hopefully you catch up soon, and you can start telling us what you think of episodes. But, you know, I mean, he sent this a little while ago, so hopefully he's he's caught up by now and he'll actually hear this. Yeah, but, I want to uh, try listening to you guys on two speed sometimes, see if you sound like two times speed. Like that. <laughs> it's not quite that fast, but but yeah. Uh, so uh, so that's great, uh, and that, that came from... Uh, oh, he emailed that in. So that, that was an email. So you guys can mail us too at mail at clonewarspodcast.com. Uh, and you can also jump on Facebook and everything else. And we'll, we'll get to that at the end. Yeah. But uh, and the Facebook discussions have definitely picked up again since the season yes. started. And we're on yeah. there talking about, you know, previews for next week. And yeah, every episode we're talking yeah. about what we're well, talking about and stuff. So that's pretty cool. The whole community is definitely a lot more vocal now that we're back into into this season oh, but, yeah, uh, sure. star wars star wars celebration was actually really great and got a lot of people listening so uh so thank you to star wars celebration for that i you know what i think just being in the uh in the program guide got us new listeners by itself Probably. because people people read that when front lines of clone wars podcast what's this so if you're one of those listeners 
that that has popped in because you either saw us at Star Wars Celebration or you just heard about us through Star Wars Celebration, definitely shoot us an email. Like, I want to hear from you guys. I want to know that you guys uh, all came to us by that because because uh, there's definitely a whole lot of new listeners and uh, and we like to know where you guys found us and that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's jump into the episode description for the next episode uh, and, and we'll just talk really briefly before we get into that uh, I think we were expecting uh, Anakin and Padme to uh, to tangle with Embo and uh, and deal with uh, what what's the guy's name? Rush Clovis yeah Rush Clovis uh, that's what we were all expecting to see next but uh, Cartoon Network let it slip a little early that what we're actually going to get is uh, is this Padawan arc with the with the younglings uh, heading off to build their lightsabers? So it's going to start with this episode, the Gathering, uh, and the description says Yoda leads a group of Jedi younglings in the dangerous task of building their lightsabers. So uh, this was this arc was actually shown in its entirety, all four episodes of it, at Star Wars Celebration to uh, to a very select group. Uh, of families uh, well not select group of families but the select group of families so if you had kids you got to see this early and uh, what we've been hearing a lot of is that this has almost a different feel from the rest of Clone Wars to the point where uh, some people are suspecting that 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 depending on how it's received by the, the audience as a whole that this could spin off into its own series uh, which would be very cool, I think, if, if we had something. Because as the Clone Wars gets closer to Episode 3, it keeps getting darker and darker. And it's definitely... We have some themes this year that... Uh, maybe not for, for the younger kids. And and leading into Episode 3... Episode 3, not the best way to introduce, you know, uh, uh, 6 and 7 year olds to Star Wars. It's, it's oh, definitely yeah, an intense movie emotionally. Um, and then the content itself is very uh, is very dark. So, um, if they can kind of spin it off into its own thing, or even just take the idea and, and develop something out of that, I think that could be really cool for the community and and a really great thing for for those younger viewers out there. So, I am looking forward to this. Unlike I have looked forward to anything in the Clone Wars in a really long time, mostly because there is a Wookiee. Padawan. Yes, there's a Wookiee youngling. You know, I, I, I was thinking the same thing. I posted this on the Facebook group. Yeah, because um, after the last episode, the one we just talked about, I went online and you know tried to find the uh, the episode preview, and yeah. I went on the Cartoon Network site, which usually has it you know right after the episodes air on Saturdays, and there was no preview like yesterday or the day before. And I figured it's probably because they switched this up so late. I mean, I think it was just within the past week that they said you know yeah we were going to show that Anakin and uh padme and clovis story arc but we decided to put this young jedi story arc here so yeah. you know they might not even have the preview ready for cartoon network yet but somebody i don't know where they showed it but somebody had gotten a hold of it and posted it on youtube so i showed it on yeah, there somebody got or it. i watched it on there i posted it on the facebook group and yeah like you said there's a jedi wookie and um i mean i was kind of a little unsure about how i was going to feel about this arc i mean obviously i'm going to watch it and give it a chance but the fact that they only showed it to families with kids at c6 and the fact that they you know, they keep saying it has a different feel to it, and I guess they weren't even sure 
I mean, the reason they decided to insert it in here, I guess originally they weren't even sure if it was going to be part of the season or if they were going to air it, like, during a different time slot or something like that. Or as a, as a movie or something so, like that. So yeah. all this had me thinking, you know, I'm waiting to get to Darth Maul and Death Watch and Republic Commandos and all that kind of stuff, and they're going to make me sit through four episodes of little kids running around before we get to any of that. But then we see the preview, and I was like... Seems pretty interesting. We know it's going to have to do with them, you know, going to Ilum and building their lightsabers and stuff yeah. like that. But Jedi Wookiee kid, I'm in. Yeah, and and uh, and a little Nautilin who looks like he's a little tech expert. Yeah. I uh, and uh, and uh, we actually we have a, a an audio clip that we're going to play for you guys. So I uh, we. Uh, a little bit behind the curtain. Normally, Matt runs sort of like a soundboard when we do this, and so I'm usually listening to this stuff as we're recording. It's all done live, but because Matt couldn't be here, I don't have the same equipment that he does. I don't have the same program, so I can't do it, and he's always the one who gets those audio clips, and I don't have the time to do it usually, which is why he does, uh, but for a change, he's the one who's busy this week, so uh, we haven't heard it. We, we don't know what this audio clip is necessarily. It might be the the scene that we're talking about, but uh, we're going to insert it in here. So here's the description really quick. Uh, the gathering, uh, Yoda leads a group of Jedi younglings in the dangerous task of building their lightsabers. So uh, it, here's the audio for that. You have proved to be the top of your class. And so now is the time of the gathering. For a Jedi, there is no greater challenge or honor. What is the gathering, Otto and Tano? Petro. Gnodi. Biff. Katuni. Zat. And Gunji. The time has come for you to build your own lightsabers. And you wizard. Be warned. This is no simple task, and many perils lie ahead of you. Where we are going, there is no place more sacred to the Jedi. Okay, so uh, I, I'm psyched. Uh, Kyle, not as psyched, but a little bit psyched. Well, yeah, I was... Like I said, I was kind of skeptical at first. Now, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like super psyched about it, but I'm definitely excited to see what they do with it. It looks pretty interesting and fun. I think it's going to be really good. I think this is going to be... these. You know, I think season five is going to be a standout season. Uh, I think between uh, the, the arc that we just got, the, the, the season premiere that was just... That was amazing. Uh, and uh, and we've got this arc, the... the uh, the droid arc coming up that looks so great and all the clips that we saw at star wars celebration look awesome and uh, and we know that some point in this season we've got that death watch darth maul uh darth sidious showdown coming so yeah and uh, apparently something lots to look forward too, to um that we haven't heard about yet yes like, i've yeah, heard people yeah. talking about you know the recording sessions and how the season finale yeah. is just gonna be mind-blowing and yeah, no, so it, this is going to be a, this is going to be a huge season, and I think this this arc is actually going to stand out amongst this season. I think we'll be looking back in a couple of years and we'll be talking about this this arc. So, I uh, cool. Well, that about does it for us this week. Don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook, 
at facebook.com slash clone wars podcast on twitter at twitter.com slash clone wars and you can send all your comments questions and feedback to mail at clone wars podcast.com uh thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week on Frontlines, the clone wars podcast see you later well another close to another wonderful show Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.